That is one nutty podcast. Tootsie, it's going up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenang. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that is both of us. We had never seen the classic, the Sidney Pollock classic Tootsie, starring Dustin Hoffman. What a wacky little adventure he had on a soap opera! It was it was a really fun movie overall. Like it, it just like kind of shocked me how much I liked it. But you know, it's the reason why this is called a classic. I mean, we were saying earlier, AFI was this what number two on like the their all time com- comedies, com- all time comedies, and it's like number that seems 68. a little wait. No, it's this is this isn't that fun. There are a hundred funnier no. movies than this. It yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean a better movie, but like. AFI, the Academy, like they're look, they don't look at comedy in the way that like comedy is meant to be viewed. Like they look in comedies in terms of like more physical presence and more of, and it needs to have like this, the complete story elements to it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where th- this will have that, but it's not as laugh at, at, out loud funny. This is more of like a character kind of study where it kind of takes a more seriously um, matter of like, you know, what it's about. It's such a guy cross-dressing. Uh, Dustin Hoffman said himself that he doesn't view this as a comedy. <laughs> no, so, I, w- I wouldn't view it as a comedy either. But we're going to talk about Tootsie in just a couple minutes. Tommy, what did you watch this weekend? All right. So, you know, lately I've been watching The Last of Us on HBO. It's been a great adaptation, but that's not what I'm here to talk about because we're a movie podcast, not a TV show podcast and uh so i'm gonna recommend um i watched zach snyder's dawn of the dead the original uh the remake rather we covered the original oh. podcast back in october and the remake is the only zach snyder mo- movie i'll ever defend to me i heard your fucking grumbling right there oh. it's the only time you can see where james gunn wrote the script for this movie um so you have james gunn writing the script and then zach snyder directing and when zach snyder has an actual good script by his good script writer like james gunn you can see how it pays off a little bit so it's a very fun uh you know 2000s action zombie movie um i would recommend it if you like are in the mood for something like that it's dumb fun <laughs> i heard james gunn is going to bring Zack snyder back for the new superman reboot oh god no he probably wants nothing to do with Zack snyder at this point <laughs> no i don't think many people want anything to do with Zack snyder at this point but yeah i can't wait like dc is just 10 years too late on their whole cinematic universe like it flopped and yeah. I feel the Marvel fatigue. Like I just, I feel it from people. Like when you talk about it and there's so many more people who are just like, yeah, man, like I'm kind of done with these movies. Also, I didn't watch Wakanda forever, but I saw an action scene on a bridge and it was like literally the worst action I've ever seen in my life. It was just terrible. All right. All right. Completely yeah, out of con- just... completely out of context. I understand. Completely out of context. And like a like fucking like granny clip on Twitter or something like that. Um, no, I mean, no, you know, no. I'm not going to be the MCU defender. I mean, I've, I've gotten to a point where it's oversaturated at this point. Like there's too many shows, but the movies, most of them are at least enjoyable for what they are. I mean, they're not going to be must see events now where it's just like, this is great, but I don't know. What about <laughs> Quantum Ma- Mania? Uh, I mean, I'm going to say that because uh, Paul Rudd. I mean, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I haven't seen but, any of the Ant-Mans. I just I don't really have an interest. 
Yeah, they're fun little like quirky comedies. They're not like you know must see Marvel events at this uh, for the most part. <laughs> um, you know, I think James Gunn's definitely going to do a good job of DC. I mean, he seems like he actually cares about the characters, and like that's what they should have done from the beginning. Hire someone that's just like an actual ideas man and like a writer, and focus on the story. And so I'm excited to see where it comes out. His uh, DC movies were great. Like Suicide Squad was a, a gr- you know his version of Suicide Squad was great. Yeah, you have um, to you have to make the distinction there because the original yeah. one is so bad. Yeah, yeah, the original it's literally one. Of, it's literally one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, seriously. So I mean, like, thankfully he took over right of the ship there. So I mean, like, I'll see whatever James Gunn does at this point. <laughs> so you're a James Gunn fanboy, is that it? Yeah, I like that you put your thumbs up on an audio only show, Tommy. I just appreciate someone that needs to know. True. Yeah, <laughs> I really appreciate that. Instead of having a conversation, you just throw your thumb up like and grin at me. I'm, look- that, that I'm looking something. at you. I'm literally looking at you, being like, "Tommy, you gotta speak to me, man. What are you doing?" <laughs> it's been a haze of a day. We're uh, recording this back to back with another episode, so we did a little movie marathon today, four hours straight of movies. So I'm a little bit of loopy. <laughs> Don't you do that like every weekend? No, not not as much anymore. <laughs> I can't. I can't hang, hang that way anymore. Wow, you're getting old, dude. Yeah. <laughs> getting old. Um, I saw Margin Report, which was great. Okay. And do you know what Margin Report is, Tommy? Uh, I haven't heard anything about this now. <laughs> it's a, it's an excellent movie about the housing bubble in 2008, but it's from the the uh the trading the trading broker perspective and mm. the people that discovered the risk margin that they had in terms of like the portfolios they were selling and coming to action with it. And it was a masterclass in, in screenplay. Like it was so well-written the way that they unveil the information of what's going on. Like they don't tell you anything. There's no Hmm. terrible screenplay and it just gives you an insight. Like the main insight of that movie is those banks will cause an economic or these trading brokers will cause an economic collapse to make sure that they're not holding the bag Hmm. and it just takes place over the course of one night excellent excellent performances highly recommend it maybe we'll watch it on the podcast but i do think it might put you to sleep because i think anything related to business you'll just be like yeah no but it it does a really good job it really does a really good job of simplifying it down and putting a lot of tension in the air regarding what's going on as long as they frame it well, I mean, you know, oh, it's the way, it's, frame, documentary. It's, <laughs> it's framed so well. It, it, it's yeah. just really excellent performances. Um, Kevin Spacey, taboo, but obviously still great performance. Um, yeah, Jeremy Irons, Paul Bettany, Zachary Quinto, um, just really all around excellent performances. Would highly recommend Margin Report if you have not seen Margin Report. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll cover it. I'm going to make Tommy watch a movie that he's probably going to be like, I could see why this was good. Yeah. I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes like when we watched uh, the Matrix uh, sequel that came out um, like oh last year. That was, oh, that movie sucked. That was like the only movie I think we watched for the pod where like I actively was like, uh, this feels like homework right now. Like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I, I, I felt that a little bit with The Wedding Singer. I'm not going to lie, but. Yeah, we'll get, we'll, we'll, yeah. That's we'll, anyways. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get into it. But we're not talking about the wedding singer on this episode because that's either coming out before or after this one. But we're talking about Tootsie. 
but I didn't know I was going to be working for the rest of my life as a woman. When you have to go this far... It is just for the money, isn't it? It's not just so you can wear these little outfits. To get this big... I'd like to make her look a little more attractive. How far can you pull back? How do you feel about Cleveland? Life can get very uh, crazy. I don't want to hurt you! <laughs> All right, just shut your mouth right now. Ooh. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Dustin Hoffman is Tootsie, rated PG. Starts Friday at a theater near you. So Tootsie was like a mega hit. It was an absolute mega hit um, when it came out. I did not realize how big this was. It it earned over $177 million in the U.S. and Canada and $64 million internationally. Like in the eighties, that's huge, especially for a movie about a tra- a cross dressing man. Yeah, to get this a better was, job. This is the second best, uh, like uh, highest grossing film of nineteen eighty two. That's insane to think about because, like, think about a comedy wouldn't do that. that, that those numbers these days. That's <laughs> like, because they don't make they don't make funny comedies anymore. They make they make like these half baked, com- like comedy. I, I will say this. I think The Hangover is a fun, good movie. I think it's a funny movie. I think the worst, it was maybe the worst things to happen to comedies because it set, because it was such a mega hit. It set this precipice in the 2010s that all these comedies need to have a lot of plot in them. And I would argue comedies are like the genre that need like the loosest amount of plot possible. Hmm. Like well, it's yeah, all yeah. about the jokes. It's all about making you laugh and the characters and stuff like that. That's what matters most. I mean, this is why this movie works. There's plot, but the characters they, they put a huge focus on them. I feel like, and that's what makes it really good. Like what makes it hit. <laughs> yeah, and the I mean, it's more story beats based around um, <clears throat> Tootsie, mm-hmm. Dorothy, and Michael Dorsey and his crazy life. Um, he's an out of work actor. He's a very talented actor. But he's a giant pain in the ass, and his agent just tells him, "Hey, man, you're a giant pain in the ass, and nobody yeah. on this earth wants to work with you." And so he goes in for a soap opera audition that his kind of girlfriend, but not really girlfriend, uh, wasn't able to get. Dressed as a woman, and gets the part. And on the soap opera, what South Southwestern Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. At Southwestern Hospital. And it was very interesting because you could see the profound effect that Dorothy has on everybody on set, the way that she's able to instinctively get into the character or he. I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm going to just get confused with the pronouns. So if, if you're a pronouns person, <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to apologize, but fair warning right here. Um, he... He, she just has a profound effect on everybody on the cast. It's the way that he they influence the the story, like improvising, like becoming a strong woman and becoming one of the most popular characters on the show. And it's it's interesting to me that nobody figured out that this was a man. <laughs> you said that earlier, like you like caught it immediately. You're like, I would have seen that. I I, I disagree with you. I mean, I think that what's good about this is that like they don't make out Dust- Dustin Hoffman as um, you know Dorothy to be like this like very hot woman and like very well. Yeah, I mean, it's Dust- Dustin Hoffman would not be a good looking woman. Let's yeah. actually proven point. <laughs> yeah, a proven point right there. I mean, he said it himself too. But uh, 
you know, it would be one thing if like that was like the thing, and like everyone's like, oh, but they made her kind of just like you know, middle aged woman, and like I can kind of buy it a little bit. That like, I, I didn't see the scenes as much as you did. <laughs> no, I I just feel like I don't know. It was just something about the, the like the chin line and the hair, and it was just like I felt like I would have saw through it. And like obviously yeah. they can't see through it in this movie because it's a movie. And this movie yeah. would not be fun. It would have been, I think it would have been a nice through line they could have put in there. Somebody just being slightly suspicious of it the whole time. Uh, trying to add him out at the whole time where it's just like, we know what, what you are. Yeah. Um, what, what I liked about this movie is that like, you know, cross-dressing has been a thing in movies. as like plots for a while. I mean, like we have like some like get hot, which was obviously a classic. But on the other end, you have like shitty uh, sorority uh, movie called Sorority Boys, which is like some terrible teen comic from the 2000s. Tommy, just tell me you watched it for the boobs to tell me you watched it for the boobs. No, I watched it because our friend made us watch it like fucking in his basement a year or two ago. Were there boobs in it? I think there were, but yeah. So that's why you you watched it. No, I was was like, "Uh, I guess we'll watch it. But anyways, regardless, you know, that that was a movie that did not handle that subject matter very well. Whereas this one, like, you know, the bottom of the joke is never really much on like Dustin Hoffman be like, oh, how wacky it is. Like he's doing all this shit, but like, you know, it doesn't make fun of him. It's more so just like little hijinks of like him not wanting to get kissed by the main uh, doctor actor over and over again. And just like, it didn't feel demeaning and kind of aged well in a way I didn't expect. Uh, for this movie to age <laughs> well i think that's probably why it resonated with audiences at the time i don't think audiences appreciate the punch down humor like it came into fad in the 90s and died away mm-hmm. pretty quickly by the mid 2000s like that punch down humor mm-hmm. yeah but i even think of like a movie that probably has it in it like american pie it's probably done much more tasteful than some straight dvd boob movie that's what yeah. I call those movies. Those are boob boob movies. Those are movies comedies. you watch when you're 13 years old because you're like, oh shit, there might be boobs in this. <laughs> yeah, and that was at a time when when uh, you didn't have a Rolodex of whores in your pocket on Instagram. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I I can't even imagine what a 13 year old boy's Instagram following tab looks like. It must be obscene. Yeah, <laughs> the worst <laughs> it must thing be, ever. It must be obscene. <laughs> the worst. The worst fucking thing ever. Um, but you know. It's just like the cast in this was great with Dustin Hoffman right here, where he plays both roles pretty well. And there's a little bit of distinction between Dorothy mm-hmm. and Michael. You can see at least from a voice performance or a mannerism performance where it, the kind of fish out of water aspect kind of plays a little well. But you see it more. You see it being they them coming together, too. And he like leans in like he's very masculine as an actor. And like mm-hmm. in form of being disagreeable and being like, I know better, I know best. And he portrays that through Dorothy, but he's much more apologetic about it, even though he's defending his point. He'll just be like, listen, I'm so sorry, but you know, this is how I feel. And this is and it's like if dude, if you had done that more in the when you were a dude, you probably would be a pretty successful actor instead of an out of work teaching coach. Yeah, he needed to learn like a little salty and like not to be an immediate asshole all the time because like you could see almost instantly in this movie that he tries to derail a production. And like, you know, if he was being his more aggressive, like uh guy self, like m- typical Michael, that's what got him kicked off all those sets. <laughs> oh yeah. And Michael, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about with Michael is his relationship with um, Sandy, mm-hmm. uh, one of his students, Terry Gar, And I, actually a movie that moment that I thought was so funny was when he just became Tootsie and or Dorothy and 
he's at her apartment. They're going to go out just as friends. And he sees a dress that he would really like. And he wanted to see if it would fit. So he Mm. strips down and she comes out of the shower. And he's just like, I want to sleep with you so bad. I want you, Sandy. Yeah. (laughs) Even though his hands are over his crotch. Yeah. Immediately, like, immediately he was able to go into the seduction mode and just like fucking... Got his girl, a friend, right there. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call so it a great. Re- I wouldn't call it a great relationship um, because no. that's not. Well, that's he, the thing with that. He loves. He he learns a little bit of a lesson in this movie, but I think throughout he's still kind of a jackass at the end of the movie. Where um, I think one of the first things I told you when we were discussing this before we started recording was it's total fucking bullshit, like Hollywood bullshit at the end of this movie that uh, Julie is just like. Yeah, I'll 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 come back to you. Like I'll I'll be friends with you again. Like I'll, I'll hang out with you again. Like she would have been like, no, you fucking creep. Like you you made me think you're a girl for like the past like what month or two? Six, How long? Was six it? months. Six I'm months. Just being yeah. like, I was only doing it for the work. I swear, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh okay, then that's fine. Totally. Yeah, I'm not gonna worry about all this other stuff. <laughs> or like you know, Gina Davis, like, or she probably would have been like freaking out that like I was in a changing room with you this whole time. Like you fucking oh. creep. <laughs> this is Gina Davis in her debut, and uh, yeah, she looked good. Um, so Gina yeah. Davis and I have a very uh intimate relationship. Um, I saw A League of Their Own when I was three or four, and I was like mesmerized by her beauty. And I was like, I like girls, I knew <laughs> it was Gina Davis that <laughs> right, let me knew. Right and there. I'm a big baseball fan, so I think the two have just kind of got them muddled together in my brain. I guess a big yeah. awakening. It's a big awakening. I was really bummed. Uh, one of the venues I worked at had a Q and A of her back in October that I missed. Um, that would have been really fun to see because like, she did a whole autobiography and stuff like that. And she uh, talked about how Dustin Hoffman gave her great advice I mean, in the world of acting of like turning down a man's advances when they're trying to come towards you and stuff like that. So <laughs> they just developed a good relationship. It seemed like or friendship. Oh, that's good. That's that's actually good to know. Yeah, I'd imagine even you know what it is though. It's like. I guess you could even see it where it was like he wasn't ogling at Gina Davis. Like when you first see Gina Davis and they're sharing the dressing room and she's just in her underwear and he's like not looking at her really. He's like looking at the yeah. mirror. He's like commenting on everything other than her body. Yeah. He's like uncomfortable in this situation where it was like, you know, the terrible boob boob TV version of this would have been like the guy ogling be like, oh shit. Oh God. Or something like that. Like oh, very broy. Sh- like like breaking character for a minute. Oh fuck, dude. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like awful. It's just like that. It's like, uh, but you know, like I said, like his character is just as uncomfortable in that situation where he's just like, I don't want to be in this situation right now. Get me out of this. <laughs> I think a good scene to bring up is and because we've been talking about kind of like the difference between the character and we should introduce Tootsie here or Dorothy. Dorothy. I'm going to just get them confused. It's just going to happen because the director yep. calls her Toots all the time, hence Tootsie. Yeah. And when she's trying to get the audition and he, she gets denied immediately, how she, how Michael Dorothy is able to kind of bounce back from that. Read of this line that you have every right to happiness. I hate it. Hi, Ron, this is Dorothy Michaels, our director, Ron Carlisle. Hi, hi. And that's our producer, Rita Marshall. Pleasure Dorothy didn't bring you. a resume, but George Fields is her agent. Mm-hmm. That's very impressive. 
Gosh, I'm afraid you're not right for this role, though, honey. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks for coming by. Page 285. Do you want camera one or two on that? Camera two and tell Art about that. Why am I not right, Mr. Carlisle? Well, I'm just uh, trying to make a certain statement here, and I'm, I'm looking for a very specific physical type. Mr. Carlisle, I'm an actress. I'm a character actress. I can play this part any way you want. Honey, I'm sure that you're a very, you very good actress. Why don't you give me an idea what you're looking for? It's just that you're a little bit too soft what? and genteel. You're not threatening enough. Not threatening enough? How's this? You take your hands off me, or I'm going to knit your balls right through the roof of your mouth. Is that enough of a threat? To start? Yes, I think I know what y'all really want. You want some gross caricature of a woman to prove some idiotic point, like, like power makes women masculine or masculine women are ugly. Well, shame on the woman that lets you do that, on any woman that lets you do that. And that means you, dear. Miss Marshall? Shame on you, you macho shithead. Jesus. What is idiotic about power making a woman masculine? Not that that was my point. I... So, funny, like, being like, power makes a woman masculine, even though it's a man's saying that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the whole juxtaposition of that is fucking hilarious. I would have loved to see a version of this movie where he just, like, Still can't make it as an actress as Dorothy. <laughs> that, that, was like, the, that was the first draft. Yeah, the first draft. Where it's just like he constantly goes into other auditions and he still finds out that he can't get hired as an actor. <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, the part is that he's actually a good actor. And, like, they do that montage in the beginning of him and he's doing his performances. And there's just all these reasons why people don't want to work with him. And then there's that great scene where he goes to his agent's office and they go back and forth. And it's like, Michael, you're... A, you're a pain in the ass. Nobody in town yeah. wants to work with you. Just in New York, I'll go to, I'll go to. No, 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 no. We're talking coast to coast here. Nobody wants to work with you. <laughs> and, and then, was... and, and then it just hard cuts to 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 Dorothy walking down, which I actually appreciated. Instead of doing some like weird build up of like the legs, like, mm. you know what the titular character is. You know what the premise of the movie is. It's just a hard cut, and then you yeah. see his process of how he maintains the hair. The makeup how he does all of that and he does it he does it well as you know it's paced well this is a really uh, well directed movie by uh, yeah Sidney Pollack himself who who was the agent in, in uh this movie where um Dustin Hoffman's uh makeup process in the movie was insane but also on set was insane it took him uh two hours every day where he had to shave his legs arms and backs of his fingers while in a sauna tapping back his facial skin to tighten his features and installing danger-looking false teeth. And no amount of makeup, though, could conceal Dustin Hoffman's 5 o'clock shadow for that long. So he could only be filmed for three to four hours at a time before, like, the 5 o'clock shadow started popping up a little bit. Really? That that quickly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, he's is... a hairy-ass man. Yeah, seriously. So, uh, fucking Hoffman right there. But I, I do like how Sidney Paul pops up in this movie as the agent. I think their little rap report is hilarious and just like a really great like comedic highlight throughout apparently um pollock uh was saying that dustin hoffman refused to keep working on this movie until pollock plays agent and pollock refused until dustin hoffman's agent intervened and so that's how they got in really apparently we're quarreling so much on site uh on set rather pollock and um hoffman that this is almost like a cathartic thing of them just vent out their frustrations to each other during these scenes and you kind of see that a little bit <laughs> oh yeah you can see that there is a dislike between the two of them yeah, <laughs> it is. This and is then, a working relationship exclusively. Yeah, exactly. Like they never worked again. They almost worked again on their movie like years later, but never came to fruition. This is the only time that they ever Sidney Pollock directed Dustin Hoffman because I mean Hoffman's. I think the Tories would be kind of an asshole, right? 
Well, not to Gina Davis, apparently, but to everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Gina Davis is the one person that got spared. <laughs> the one person that likes him. Although, I've heard Dustin Hoffman was a treat on the set of Ishtar. <laughs> yeah, feature movie. <laughs> we definitely have to cover it. We have time. to cover it. We have to cover Ishtar. Oh, my God. I love That's my favorite movie trailer of all time. Yeah, <laughs> it looks fucking amazing. So uh, this is a random, like, offbeat thing about the movie. But uh, there's one point when, like, you know, they show the montage of people watching... Um, Tootsie, like you know, the uh, Dorothy. what's it called Southwest General, yeah, what, whatever South. the hospital, yeah, whatever South, the hospital yeah. show is. So, there's the montage, and there's a one per was one shot of a secretary who's like watching it while at work, and she has like a tablet, it looks like, and it's a portable and she, TV. I was wondering the whole time, I was like, what the fuck is that? Because, like, yeah, it's a portable TV, it was either crank or it was battery powered, yeah. And I was thinking, like, were tablets around the 80s? It kind of like fucked with me for a little bit. <laughs> oh, Tommy. Oh, you <laughs> sweet summer child. Exactly. <laughs> the things oh I don't know about you. Oh, my God, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Our older audience is going to cringe at that one. Yeah, seriously. So. Wait, you, wait, you <laughs> literally thought it was a tablet? No, I, I obviously I didn't know. I knew it wasn't a tablet, but I was just like, what is the technology there called? Because I didn't think stuff like that existed in the 80s. <laughs> so we do need to talk about Julie, played by Jessica Lange, who won an Academy Award. Um, she's an actress on the on Southwest General, and Michael uh, Dorothy falls in love with her. And while Dorothy and Julie build a, a kinship and a nice friendship up together, mm-hmm. and I think the funniest thing is that um, her father, played by Charles Durning, like falls in love with Dorothy. And just her power and like proposes to her after meeting her two times. Yeah. When you're older, <laughs> no time like the present. <laughs> no, no time like the present. But I I felt like we got a lot into her character and a lot of an understanding of, of who she is. Um, just based off the relationship of Dorothy and Julie and their just interactions together. And Julie is just confused. She's um she's with she's dating um ron the director and you know Mm. he we see him hooking up with gina davis i'm pretty sure that was gina davis um while on the set even though that's not who he's dating Mm. and it was very interesting and a very interesting like conflict of the heart and an interesting way to frame that in terms of like they became friends because julie thought that Dorothy was a woman (laughs) and Michael who was playing Dorothy just was in love with her yeah straight up (laughs) and yeah I yeah we were saying before like it's the most Hollywood bullshit ending like it's not implied that they end up getting together but they rekindle the the friendship at a minimum yeah like it, like this movie would this movie would have sunk so hard if there was some generic kiss at the end. But yeah, if they went explicit with it, I mean, like, you know, you could maybe see, but it seems like such a massive breach of trust for me. I'm like Jesus, um, I mean, Jessica Lange though was just amazing. Like, you know, when she was talking to him, like about like you know what's it like to be an actress and everything like that, and, and her apartment, those scenes together, them just one on one were really compelling. Um, I do think Sandy, uh, that character got a little bit of a short stick in this movie, but I mean, like Julie herself was great. <laughs> yeah, well, I think yeah, Terry Gar was really great as Sandy, but I think that was kind of the point is that like 
like once Michael becomes Dorothy, we don't see that much of Michael and we see a lot of him like getting in and out of costume, mm-hmm. but we don't really see him that much. And mm-hmm. like that's implied by the lack of screen time that Sandy has because she's in most of the movie for the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And then and from, there, from there, she's seen here mm-hmm. or there. And I think the point is that you're kind of supposed to forget about her because Michael clearly has forgotten about her. Clearly, he's like pushed her to the wayside. And like, you know, most of the time she's in the movie for the rest of the movie is just her like sitting at dinner alone waiting for fucking Dustin Hoffman being like, where is this asshole? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think the reason he, well, the only reason he got into a relationship with her was so that he didn't break her his cover as Dorothy like he didn't tell her because she was the one that auditioned for this part originally and was like I'm trying to protect her because if she knew that I got this part it would she would kill herself I think that's the line word for word (laughs) like she would she would kill herself (laughs) I I wish that like there's almost a part where like you could see almost every character's reaction to find about more about Dorothy because like really only only we get is um julie and julie's dad like i, I would have loved to see like terry gar like months later talking to him being like it's like what were you doing like what 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 the hell is going on with your mind like this whole time <laughs> like what the fuck were you thinking yeah yeah and i actually thought this movie did really in the screenplay did really good interesting parallels um when dorothy uh confronts um ron at julie's apartment uh, before they're going on a date and julie's going to break up with him and and ron's like why don't you like me and he gives this whole spiel about um you know like him two-timing her him dating other women him being like hey whoa whoa we weren't in an an exclusive relationship Mm. and then he gets back to his apartment and sandy's outside banging on the door and it kind of gets revealed that because he hands her the box of chocolates that um julie's father gives him the notes to to dorothy and and then he's like, "Well, well I didn't know we weren't not dating." Like he gave the exact same speech yeah. that Ron gained to him when he was uh, confronted about it, and it was just clever little screenplay moments like that of just nice, clever callbacks that fit within the character. Yeah, um, really made for like a strong performance, and um, it's definitely I, a flawed character in general. I mean, like like I said, I don't think Dustin Hoffman fully redeemed himself at the end of this. He's not like fully selfless or whatever. He's still a little bit of an asshole. I don't think he's fully learned from like all this, like, you know, problems. He's still, like you said that right there, that scene right there of Sandy, it just shows that he's still kind of stuck in his own ways. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's somebody that's stuck in his own way. Um, and he's somebody that would just never change, but being Dorothy allowed him to understand how to channel his energy better. is kind of like my takeaway from Dorothy. It, it, it showed him a way to communicate his mm. points across and still find success without mm. burning every single bridge to the ground yeah it's just a matter of like subtlety just learn to be a little less aggressive and stuff so we haven't talked about him yet uh bill murray's in this movie um, bill murray is in this movie and i have a clip of my favorite part of bill murray right at the beginning of this movie because it just made me laugh so hard when he is drunk talking about being a playwright i don't want a full house at the winter garden theater I want 90 people who just came out of the worst rainstorm in the city's history. These are people who are alive on the planet until they dry off. 
I wish I had a theater that was only open when it rained. I don't like it when people come up to me after my plays and say, I really dug your message, man. Or, I really dug your play, man. I cried. I like it when people come up to me the next day or a week later and they say, I saw your play. What happened? I did a thing about suicides of the American Indian. And nobody cared. Nobody showed. And I think the American Indian is as American as John and Ethel Barrymore and uh, Donnie and Marie Osmond. I think it's really sad, but... I think that nowadays when people dream, they don't even dream in their own country anymore. And that's sick. So apparently Bill Murray improvised pretty much all of that. That makes sense. You, you can definitely see it. Um, well, like, but apparently Bill Murray, like this is right when he was starting to pop off. I mean, like, uh, you know, Stripes was the year before. Caddyshack was two years before this. So he had like, you know, Stripes, Meatballs. He was gaining, mo- he was gaining momentum. Yeah, right before Ghostbusters, before he became like a total pop culture osmosis type thing. Before he became an A-lister. But, don't call it pop culture he, osmosis. Call it an A-lister. It's what it is, Tommy. All right. Call it, before he became an A-lister, whatever you want. But, you know, peak cultural saturation right there. But, like, you know, him and just the supporting role right here in a movie like this was amazing. I mean, like, just the fact that he was the one voice of reason throughout where he's like, yeah, I think you're going to hell for doing this. Like, you I don't sure, believe, he's like, I don't, I don't believe in hell, but I do believe in unemployment. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah and he was like he was the perfect friend for the situation because it, it is a romantic comedy but it's not really a romantic comedy um mm-hmm. it's it's a satire it's a satire on the genre in and of itself and i think setting it the show as a soap opera is also another satirical el- element because soap operas have their reputation as you know corny BS that's just you know kind of cheap writing cheap Mm. plots that just keeps a base audience entertained and I think that kind of adds to the the satirical nature of it and then having somebody like as sharp as Bill Murray in the best friend role because usually the guys in the best friend role are either like super meaty or super soft and then you just have like Bill Murray and he was just playing Bill Murray he was not acting he was playing Bill Murray he probably ad libbed like all of his dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that would not surprise me if he ad libbed pretty much all of his dialogue. Like when Sandy was banging on the door and and Michael has to get out of Dorothy and like the wigs in the in the kitchen and like oh you know I'm I'm just waking up from a nap oh I'll give me one second I'll come come grab the thing and it takes like ten minutes while he's cleaning up the apartment of any evidence of Dorothy yeah. and it's just it's just funny like he is just he just has that screen presence whatever it is about bill murray he can he can just command yeah a, a take like over that. the movie <laughs> yeah he can just really take over the movie and it you know obviously that just explains his career but him and dustin hoffman had really good chemistry there going back and forth and it was good that there was somebody that could challenge michael without michael flipping a lid and that was the only person in the movie that could challenge him yeah, the like the the chill response where it's like you're just my friend, so I'm not gonna give you too much shit, but like come on. Like, you know, he needed he needed someone we need someone in the script to be like, This idea is insane. <laughs> like just, just yeah. laying it out there. Cause it's only him and his agent that, that know that he's yeah. Michael. Actually the scene where he introduces Dorothy to the agent 
and he's outside the Russian tea room and he plays like a pretend he plays Dorothy like she's lost then she follows yeah. him into the restaurant and sits down and he just drops his voice it's me it's me George it's me it's me it's my <laughs> That's great it, stuff was, right it, was, it was pretty incredible I'm not gonna lie I am a star I'm a star I'm a star I'm a star I am a big bright shining star so Tommy who is the star of Tootsie uh well I think this is a very obvious one for us uh Dustin Hoffman I mean because think about it, like you know the dual performance role and stuff like that and I, I was thinking while watching this movie I was like it, I would probably break character so fucking quickly if I was in, somehow in a situation like this where I'd like be in disguise and just like keep up a voice the whole time. There's been no shot. Like I would have just like immediately like voice crack or something like that or you know, just deeper voice being like, uh. give me your, give me your best happened. Dorothy voice right now. Oh, I do behave. Yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll you're do. not, you're not getting, yeah. you're not getting, you're and not me, getting immediately my voice room. just cracked. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. not getting in the room, but you're also not a trained actor like Michael yeah. is. Not like Dustin Hoffman is. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Julie Nichols because I think she's the heart of the movie and mm-hmm. just the she gives just such like a personal, intimate performance. Like you can just feel that she really connected with this character, um, being mm-hmm. a single mother that's just confused in her career and in her personal life and in what she wants. And then her new best friend, obviously, being a woman that her dad's in love with. That's a man. Probably added on to that confusion, let's be honest. Yeah, just a little bit. Right just a little bit. But yeah, I think I think it was Julie Nichols. I just loved her performance, and she just captivated the, the screen every time she was on it. Yeah, Jessica Lange was great in this movie, and like she won an Academy Award for a reason. <laughs> oh, Jessica Lange, I'm sorry. I kept the names confused. I've also had a couple of beers. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. So, Tommy. Would Tootsie work as a Muppet adaptation? I think this is an interesting one. I, I would it be like Kermit dresses up as Miss Piggy? <laughs> would that be the movie essentially? No, I think I think Dustin Hoffman's the only one. This the human, and this you got to change human. everything into Muppet, everything else into Muppets. Yeah, because there there are some like little broad comedic moments right here where like you know the one uh, the main doctor on the soap opera where he constantly just looking over at the cue cards constantly and you could obviously play it up with a little bit more Muppets if that's Sam the Eagle in that role or something. And then when he tries to rape Dorothy in the oh, apartment, Jesus. yeah, and then Bill Murray work, walks in at the right time. Yeah, you keep you keep Bill Murray and you keep uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you keep Dustin Hoffman. You keep Bill Murray. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's like moments of this that could work, like when they're filming the show. But I think like the emotional stuff, that's not really the Muppets. Like they have their would little it, moments, but it, not as deep as this. Would it be that instead of like dressing up as like a just like a human woman, like he tries to dress up as a Muppet human uh, Muppet woman? <laughs> oh yes, I yeah, that's, that how, would, that, that's, that's how you lock it. <laughs> that's how you lock it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See the Muppet adaptation. We're in an age where trans rights are much more in vogue than they were in the yeah, 1980s. Yeah, probably would go over well. <laughs> no, I think you could get away with it now. Maybe, yeah. So This movie does not punch Disney? down on that community whatsoever, which is probably what gives it its status still yeah. today. Like, if this well, movie he... was, was, was a punching down movie, it would not hold up at all in a modern People would be like... People be like, oh, I remember that fucking like terrible movie? Like, you know, like how Revenge of the Nerds is like one of those movies now where it's just like, yeah, there's some really problematic shit in that movie. Yeah. 
but there's still funny moments in Revenge of the Nerds. But there's also stuff that they wouldn't put in a screenplay today. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Tootsie maybe is a Muppet adaptation. I don't think it's 100%. I don't think we're getting green lit on it, but I would do the screenplay adaptation no problem. I think it, maybe I think work. it could maybe work. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> All right, Tommy, review time. Give me your score out of five. Uh, so this was uh, a double feature I did today with uh, we were also covering the pod. Uh, I did like this. Dustin Hoffman is really funny. Uh, Bill Murray is really funny, and there's great little comedic moments and a little bit of heart too. I'm gonna go four out of five for this. I'm also gonna go four out of five. I thought it was really well directed. Really great performances. Nice screenplay. Um, not the greatest movie. The ending kind of ruined it for me a little bit. Where you're just like, oh, like she yeah. should have said no and walked away. The movie would have been much better. But it got the Hollywood ending. Which is fine, but mm-hmm. it was it was a nice, fun, enjoyable movie. I understand why it is considered a classic. Four to five for me, highly recommend it. So, Tommy, any final thoughts? All right. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media at SeenItPod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us five star reviews. Uh, you know, while you're listening, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast really helps us out. And uh, you know, we're wrapping up our February uh, month with uh, Meet the Parents. So get ready for that one. Meet the Parents, not my favorite movie, but thank you all so much for listening today. We'll see you next week. <laughs>